All right, you want to do a show? Yeah, we should do a show. Well, listen, I just want you to know that I am not currently on any marijuana products. Oh, yeah. All yeah. right, this, you're sober right now? I am so excited that I have joined the world of cool people. Well, uh, well let's, let's, take, it down. let's, let's some take it down a notch, Pops. Marijuana sticks, some electric sticks. No, you didn't. Some marijuana mints and okay, tablets. Okay, now, now, we're, now we're going along. The, <laughs> no sticks, no, nothing, no lighter was needed for what you consumed. I did so... Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I'm Brian Irwin. And I'm John Huck. I did so much how do I become a marijuana person research from my marijuana uh, friends. But what I do find <laughs> interesting about that is how excited every single person that I reached out to oh, was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was com- that I was it's trying- like we're recruiting you into a cult. Well, and, and at first, that's kind of what I thought. And then I thought to myself, no, these people are genuinely like, well, yeah, finally. we've been ta- like It's not that big of a deal. We've been talking about this for decades, and this reefer madness fear thing is just mind-boggling, right? Well, like, that's yeah. what I, where I think it is. People are like, yeah, dude, it's... And when I say excited, I mean, they were like, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you all about it. I mean, right. I know will, enough will, to- Willing to talk to you because because most of the... I'm, I'm guessing, I'm not sure everybody you reached out to, but you did reach out to me. And my mm-hmm, thought is yeah. that there, if you are having trouble sleeping mm-hmm. or you're, ha- you're having shoulder or joint or whatever pain... If you joint. go, <laughs> 420. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I'm in. I'm you in. You are, guys. dude. You are, bro. Now, what yeah. you need is a, a Rasta wig. Oh. <laughs> we'll get one of those. Some uh, some Jamaican colored, some Jamaican flag colored like pants. Oh, I think I can go down to Santee Alley in downtown Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Find you all that definitely stuff. find all that stuff. That and a lot of other things. But I think what your, your friends would, or would tell you is that the, the pharmaceutical companies are uh, doctors, they're pr- quick to prescribe these medicines with weird side effects. Whereas if, CBD. I mean, that, and that's what you're doing. You're not like, I need edibles and I'm going to get ripped. Like, no, I have that stuff, but that's not what I got it for. Right. You got it for it. You have shoulder pain and you're yeah. having trouble sleeping through the night because of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this this will help you. This will help you. The, that I mean, that that's... I mean, you can really point at... People are like, why hasn't why isn't marrow if marijuana is no big deal, why hasn't it been legalized for well, longer? Re- yeah. I mean, and the reason is because of pharmaceutical companies, yeah. because of alcohol companies, because the legal drugs, cigarettes, caffeine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the legal drugs stimulants. Stimulants. Because really what they, they're calling marijuana a drug, really what it is, it's a stimulant. Well, marijuana, I mean, depend, yeah, it's stimulant in the sense that it might open your mind up a little bit. And you know, what I mean by a stimulant is that, a, to me, a drug is, is manufactured. It's like from ground zero. It, it didn't exist. It's a, it's a series of chemicals put together to rewire something inside your body, right? Right. To where marijuana, it comes from the ground. It's not a, to me, it was never, it's a stimulant like coffee. Is a stimulant. Coffee, I mean, really, if you think about it, coffee, is a mild cocaine, really. Yeah, I mean, like it's extremely it's, mild cocaine. Yeah, yeah. Right? I yeah. mean, really? Yeah. I, I don't know anything about the cocaines, but. No, but. and I know about the people who've been on it. Yeah. <laughs> They're fun. But, but, I, but I will say, like, I, I feel um, with. Like the, I, I guess I forgot what I was gonna say. Um, well, because you do too much weed. No, no, no. It, it's more. It, That's a dad statement. Yeah, that was a dad statement. Um, no, what we were talking about, you got me off track for whatever. We'll but. get back to it. But, but, but we were talking about. Oh, you were saying that the pharmaceutical companies. Well, yeah, lo- the basically uh, we're lobbying the, against. Oh, the, well, I was gonna, the evil. I was, thank you. I was getting to the Bill Hicks thing where he's like, the the legal drugs are caffeine and nicotine, and those get you through the week while you work like 
a, a, a zombie, and then the other legal drugs, alcohol, right? That gets you through the weekend so that you forget about being a zombie, so that you get back to work on yeah, Monday. Like pretty it's, much. it those those companies like there's a th- th- those are the reasons. Like there's no there's no there there've been no real uh, hardcore negative studies. On, on marijuana, they've they've tried. They've tried to look for this evidence, and all they've found that yeah, it does in fact cure pain and some diseases and some illnesses, and and it can make. Wait a minute, and, you're saying that they they had the intent of trying to discredit it? Well, they've always been trying to put out studies that are against it. You know what I mean? Like this, you know. And but that's not what. See, that's what I don't understand about research. Mm. You're supposed to not. Go, you're supposed to go <laughs> into research without yeah. it, not not trying to, to get the unbiased. Extent. You're not supposed to go get the answer you're looking for, right? Yeah, but that's all the right side does. No, I understand oh, that, but yeah. what? I, but I'm saying that that's you can't. At that point, you are no longer a true scientist. You are no. You're working for a company. Yeah, you're a paid employee. It, it, which is sad because it's not. You're you're a very intelligent human being. If you've become a scientist, you've done a lot of. You've put a lot of time and effort into really understanding what this is all about here. That this all these little particles and pieces and. And you just take that, and then you just manipulate it. Just make doesn't make any sense to me. But whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's money, and I shouldn't say just the right side looks for you know Ben's argument. Both sides do it. It's 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 a it's almost human nature at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, we're 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 built we're we're built to be salespeople of some sort. Yeah, even y- even to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I kid myself every day with a good sales speech. I yeah, mean, you got this, man. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I just, I hope you, I hope it helps with the. Well, with the pain. I'm just starting. Um, I was very excited. I went in there, um, and and how uh, was your how was your dispensary experience as a, a kind of a newbie? Because we we've gone in before together, you but you just stood once, there and, like, and looked I, around. I was asked like, to step aside because clearly I looked weird. I well, you were just bit. in the way. <laughs> but no, I went I went in, and you know, with all these places, because they're primarily cash. Businesses, they've got security. And they, it's they have an ATM there, but it's like a strip club ATM. It's like a six dollars service fee. But what I'm saying is, it's it's straight up lockdown because it's it's easy. You know, if you're if you are a thief, you know, if you're going cash business. That was the. I mean, they used to get robbed all the time oh, when they start yeah. before That's it was legalized. Security. Oh know? man, they've all they, they all, all had security. Do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went in and I was like, I said to the security guy, I'm like, "Hello, I've never been here before. What do I do?" And he's like, <laughs> he's "Like, all right, nerd." He's like, "Here we go." He's like, "Just sign that thing here and just give me your ID." I'm like, "Okay." He's like, "All right, go in." And then I get buzzed in and I found a woman and I was like, "Listen, here's what's up." And I, I, I um, and again because I had done my research, I said. I I, I want to just get something for a little, like, some anxiety when I get anxiety. Because, you know, especially when you're doing creative stuff. Yeah. Sometimes your anxiety of, of trying to get something done, gets it gets in the way and it creates mental blocks and like that. So just that part of it. Shoulder pain, back yeah. pain, I think sleeping. The, the, and so yeah. I gave her those and then we talked about it and she showed me several different options. And I made my own choices as far as what I wanted. And I got... I got CBD, which so there's no THC in that whatsoever, but it does work. I, the one I got though, I, I I didn't get it. I didn't get a good version of that because it's only five milligrams per tablet. Yeah. To where I had got uh, some gummies up in Big Bear that were two fifty. Two fifty. Two hundred fifty milligrams per. Two hundred fifty milligrams per what? CBD. Oh oh per. Per, per gummy. Per gummy. 250 milligrams of CBD. So, and that's more in line okay. with what you're going to get for your standard ibuprofen and stuff like that. So it actually worked really well. So these ones, not as much. Like, I don't feel the effects as much. You just got to take more. That's all. It's just annoying. Right. But so, but also, like you said, 
more, had the same effect of ibuprofen without any damage to your Correct. liver or your kidneys yes. or the kind of stuff that aspirin and ibuprofen can damage on the inside of your Which body. Which is why I'm trying to go down this path is because I'm also, like, I already tried, I've never really been a big pill guy. Like, no, I don't, pills. I never liked them anyway. Yeah. And I know I've, you know, you and I joked about before when I had that, there's teeth problems and I got the, uh, remember I was doing, you said I was doing speed balls. Oh yeah. What were you doing? Uh, coffee and coffee having a and, um, ca- not, Tylenol three or whatever? No, no, not, not, not Vicodin. What's the one right above Vicodin? Oh, uh, not Oxycontin. No, no. Um, uh, um, I forget what they're called, but, uh, you know what I'm talking about, but they're not, in, not Xanax. Cause no, that's no, cause no, it was for it was pain. pain yeah, not they, Dilaudid, not no. Not dexatrin. Not, no, no. no, not dexatrim. I'm not. Uh, no dexadrin. It's uh, but that wouldn't be it either. That wouldn't be for. Bottom line is, it was a narcotic, and it, you know something one step below uh, oxycontin, and I can't forget. I forget what it's called. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, heroin in pill form, and I was stoked. And you were like, "Hey, dude, um, you should probably stop mixing those things." And I was like, "Oh, okay." What were you? You were mixing it with what though? Well, no, I was just pounding down a boatload of caffeine. Oh. And then I would take <laughs> one of those pills, and I was like. This warm excitement yeah. came over me, and I was like, let's go sell some product. Let's do this. <laughs> and I felt so good. Yeah. But anyway, point is, I don't. I also know that the adverse effects of all these pills and stuff you're putting in your body, I, I just don't want to go down that path. So this, um, you know, th- I think this is just This better. is a much healthier way for yeah. you to get the relief you I'm need. I'm not s- super stoked about the vape pen. But I'll try it once, and then I, I think uh, I might move on from that. Yeah, I, 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 the only thing I mean, there, like, if you're, if you can find a concoction of edible, you know what I mean, like a CBD a gummy that you take something else, and you, if you can find sort of a, 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 an equation that works for you, yeah, I would do that because you don't the the vape pen. I feel like those, while they're convenient. And easy to use. I feel like in the future we're gonna find out that those are not as good for you as just smoking out of a, a water pipe of some kind. Right. It's in, and again, how many how many decades, centuries have we been smoking out of water pipes already? So exactly. I think the the proof is in that. Pudding. Yes. But I, I just yeah, don't yeah, want to yeah. be doing that stuff at the house. So. Yeah. No. But the vape pen. I mean, it does dissipate. It's not a big deal. And what I would suggest for you is those dosits. They. You like you inhale and then they buzz like, and then you know like a toothbrush. Well, it's kind of done, you know, but it also doesn't give you. You can buy them in, like, beginner, you know, novice, <laughs> black diamond, whatever. So I'll wrap up this very enlightening uh, marijuana trip that I took to the marijuana store uh, by getting my stuff. Um, Listen to the millennial behind the counter complain to me about another millennial who didn't want to show up because she was already working three days a week and she was just exhausted and didn't <laughs> want to be there. And he was like, dude. I work three days a week, four hours a day at a weed shop, yeah. guys. Life is hard. He was like, yeah, so now I don't get to go home because she just doesn't feel like coming in today. And I was like, oh, my God. like, Just give me my weed and let me get no, out no, no, of no. here. No, I, I, I felt for him because it's just like, at that level, I guess, you know, when you start working on entry-level jobs, that that's just the world it is. It's so... No one's there for a career, right? So you just don't know who you're going to get. Everybody... That, going back to sales, everybody knows how to trick you into hiring them once, yep, right? And yep. then you get there, and then you kind of play your games. So he finished, and then I turned around, and I saw somebody that I knew in there, and all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, what's up, man? Yo, we're all, <laughs> yeah, you're just cool. We're all just cool. doing our thing. Peace out, bro. Yeah, we're all... <laughs> 
just living, bro. Lav. He's like, what? Are you, why are you Wooderson all of oh a God, sudden? Dude, just like, I, and you could just tell he was like, calm down, <laughs> calm down, because I'm like, we're all woke. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of us we're woke all people, woke. We're all woke being in here like together because we know what's up. Legalize it. Am I right? Everyone's like, we already did, psycho. <laughs> Who did you see? I went off somebody, it was somebody from Fantasy Football. Right oh. there. <laughs> I won't name names. Just He's an actor, so I don't want to name names. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, just in case, I don't know if they if marijuana is no, yeah, 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 I hear you. illegal yeah. on, on TV uh, shows on t- or something. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood. Hollywood should start drug testing so it can shut down. I don't down. know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, you just never know. But you know what's funny is, uh, I don't know if people know this or not, but they do drug test certain people for bonding purposes. You yeah, know about for, that, for right? insurance and stuff. Yeah. For insurance. So like, they're, like if you are making a movie or you're making a television show and there is an actor that you feel is a risk because of the investment, um, I believe they do have the right to do that uh, stuff, That's correct? the reason Richard Pryor co-wrote Blazing Saddles with Mel Brooks but was not in the movie. The studio would not insure him. So they got Cleavon Little. Same. Uh, I think there was some issues with Farley and insurance. Um, I think everything worked out, but there was some concern of something he was about to do. Because there is that, if you if you look like you're going to die on set or you look yeah. like you might cause a death on set, they don't want you no. on set. No. <laughs> set like, there, there are... When you think about the amount of movies that get made on a, on a very low budget to a very... For the maximum budget you could imagine... Um, the the stunts, the things that go on in these movies, the fact that, you know, very few people have been killed, like the amount of people, the ratio of people who have been killed doing a stunt or working on a movie is very minimal to a lot of other professions. Do you know what I mean? Right. And they take safety, like we joke about it and stuff, but safety is very serious. Like even doing a short film I had to hold a gun and I had to oh, pre- yeah. and I had to pretend to shoot somebody and and there's only seven of us there but the AD was like everyone gather around I'm going to show you the gun we're using you know and all I can think about is how how I'm glad that's going on and how I'm glad I get to test it because I think about Brandon Lee yeah and uh there there was another guy who was killed uh in gunfire well he was messing around Oh I yes, think playing Russian roulette or something like that, and he thought he could put a blank up next to his head, but you can't. Right? Yeah, you still but can't th- that's do that. not Brandon Lee. That was another no, guy. That was yeah. the guy who was on some TV show, Wise Guy or something like that. Maybe I can't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's. But that's, yes, that. Th- but when you think about that, and the there are you know stuntmen die. There have been accidents, yeah. and and I believe uh, quite a few people died on making the Titanic, which is rarely talked about because they shot it in Mexico where there weren't as many laws. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, so I, but 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 studios—they're very cautious. They're very into safety, you know. Oh, the safety they are. Yeah. Yes, which yes. is actually no. You have, and you should. Again, be. I appreciate. Yes, as a as an actor, somebody's going to be on set, even on, on, in the crew. I appreciate it. I think it got a lot more uh, focus on it after that. What happened in Atlanta with the uh, with the camera woman who got oh, the train? In the train, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I told you. You know, I worked with the with that company, and I worked with that director, and I worked with his wife, who is the producer. Before all that. Before all that. Yeah, because yeah. they're not making. Movies, no, he went they? to jail. She got out of it. Uh, she probably shouldn't have, but th- at least that's what they're saying. I don't. I don't want to make assumptions. I don't know everything. But right, yeah, but it, how were they to work with? 
Nah, that's good. <laughs> Your silence tells me everything I need to know. Uh, but yeah, for those of you who don't know, I think I believe her name was Sarah. Last name started with yeah. an H. A camera assist who they didn't have a permit. They were shooting a Greg Allman documentary or, no, uh, or movie, movie yeah. uh, which is now probably never going to see the light of day. No, they just felt it wasn't appropriate to try yeah. to finish it or no, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. Um, and I'm sure Greg Allman's family felt the same way. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't have. They didn't obtain permits. They illegally went out onto a train track bridge, and they were forced to work out there. And then a train came. And here's the thing: I when I when I <coughs> was in college, um, I acquired a book called Guerrilla Filmmaking, which I still own. And you know, there is there 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 was that whole, and it's still to this day, especially with iPhones, people making movies and stuff like that. There is there still is a guerrilla filmmaking. Ideology of steal the shot is really what it's what it is, is really what they're talking about. I was actually watching an old, uh, it came out in like 2010, a documentary on Grindhouse uh-huh. movies. Yeah, and a lot of that, you know, um, uh, it, a lot of that was steal the shot, run out there, get it real quick. But the thing is, you're putting people's lives at risk when you do that. When you steal shots, it is extremely dangerous, and that's what they were doing. They, I mean. For those people who are like, well, what does the permit have to do with it? It's not necessarily the permit per se, but it is the permit. The permit is notification. The permit basically says, yeah, if you go out there, there will be a controlled environment. So yeah. we're all on the <laughs> same page. So when you don't fill out the permit, no one knows that you're there. There's no controlled environment. So their theory was, we know that a train is still going to be coming, and they wanted that part of it. Get it on the track, and then run and grab that stuff off of there. Like, basically playing those elements into it, it's just not... Instead of having a conductor on walkie and a train, you know what I mean, to get the shot in order, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, just it basically wasn't, reroute the train. It wasn't or whatever an organized, it was. planned yeah. shot. And and I've been, I've been you know... I, I mean, did someone's f- dead because of it, and other people were extremely injured yeah. because of it. Yeah, and, that, and that is an, that's an extreme case because shots do get stolen all the time, meaning, like... I did a feature, and we got some stuff on Hollywood Boulevard that, you know, you're not allowed to shoot on there without a permit. You're supposed to shut the street down. It's a lot of money, and it was an independent feature. But this was a quick dream sequence. They got it with a guy holding a camera. We weren't running. There was no... You weren't running. You weren't going through traffic. We weren't driving. Yeah, yeah. there was no... There was, like... These were, like, almost... We made them look like we were getting still shots, just like someone was taking my picture in front of the Chinese theater. You know what I mean? So we did kind of that type of thing. But but even that, there's a little bit of like you're rushing and you're hurrying and people are moving quickly and it you it's you have to still be safe, be conscious of safety when you're yeah. doing doing something like that. Yeah, and it's just you know, and, and I I get it. There's a rush of like you know grabbing shots and doing stuff, and and it is cool, but you just have to be careful. I guess there really is a rush, right. and it really is cool when you get a good shot. You didn't have to pay for the permit or hire a secure. You know what I mean? It's it's very rewarding. <laughs> and look, they're you know they're the side of a lot of people's stories, and I used to hear this a lot when I when I ran the Herald was that you know when you're on a shoestring budget. The argument is like, you know, these permits and all this paperwork, this costs money. It costs thousands of dollars. It's going to kill our budget or we will be able to film it. And then and so you understand that. And then on the flip side of that, they're like, well, if you don't have enough money to make what you're making, then you should stop, get the proper amount of money and then go back and make your thing. So I it kind of goes. Bo- and I've heard both arguments over and over and over again because I've been caught in the middle of all of it. Sure. Over the years. So I, I understand both sides of it. It's, 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 it's trying to, you know, where's the happy medium? Because I understand, you know, as a creative, you just want to make stuff. Yeah. 
right? Unless you're Vin Diesel, then you say things w- that you shouldn't say. What I were he uh, when I f- went back to the Herald the second time, there wasn't a lot of filming going on in town, and I actually had predicted. Because uh, when I left, this is pre this. When I left, it was still kind of MySpace world, right? And um, the world of digital was starting to get bigger and bigger as every year went by. So when I came back to the Herald, which had been about two thousand nine, oh yeah, the business was dead in town, like dead. Uh, independent filmmaking was 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 dead in the water. Like you know, back then, independent filmmaking was one point two to about. Five million dollars you would make movies for. They stopped doing that. Independent filmmaking went from five million dollars down to two hundred and fifty thousand. They became ultra low budget SAG projects, really, really small, and or fifty thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars. Yeah, because they were in this digital arena, right? So there was no money. And I remember that um, Vin Diesel's company made this uh, digital series called The Ropes. I don't even know where it uh, it is now. I'm sure it airs something to be on Hulu or something, but. They came in. It's about boxing. No, he was. It was loosely based on his life as a bouncer. I guess he was a bouncer before ah, he was an actor. Ah. And so they used the Herald for a bunch of stuff. And I remember they came in on a tech scout, and uh, Vin Diesel got so excited about the shots. He's like, "Let's just start rolling now." And they're like, "Well, no, well, no." I mean, <laughs> we, <laughs> take we it down a notch, guy. We, we, we don't. Well, We're we don't scouting. Have, yeah, we don't. We don't. Have, and I, I remember the, the panic look. Not I remember here. The, the the panic look. On all the crew's faces, like, like who's gonna tell them? <laughs> who's gonna tell who's this gonna... lunatic we can't roll cameras yeah, right now? Who's gonna... <laughs> we can't just start because there's no actors, there's no, there's, li- there's no, no nothing. nothing is there's set not, up. Nothing. We have a half a script written. Do we need to finish this? And it kind of just went away. And I just, I'll never forget that because it was just so funny. Like, he got so excited. He's like, we could just start rolling, you know, because they had like a seven. This is like also back when like the seven D started becoming like a thing. Yeah, right? you could start oh, 7D. using like little cameras, You're like the early versions of the HD cameras. They looked as well. like still photo. They looked yeah. like a big like a Nikon or something. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so like that's a perfect example. So b- back then, I mean, it, there was no money in these things though either. The budgets were very very small. Right. It was interesting because he was. Um, I can't remember what the actress's name is who plays. Uh, she plays, I think, Gamora in uh, um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know the, the actress I'm talking about. She, she Green? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think her name was starts with a Z. But um, anyway. Yeah, uh, Zoe, Sald- yeah, Zoe yeah. Saldana. Yeah, she she directed a couple episodes oh, of, nice. of it and stuff like that. It's so funny, like, because, you know, it's like the actors themselves were... Um, you know, I don't want to say no names, but I'm just saying they weren't. They weren't. There was no stars in the actual show. Uh, it, he just pulled all of his star buddies to, or his actor friends, be, you know, that wanted to try out act or uh, directing and stuff like that. Which he is actually, great. Yeah, he the, the the platform that he created was was a creative platform. So as much as I'm kind of joshing him for what he did, he well, was a super nice guy and he was extremely helpful. And he did this. To give people a leg up, he did it. He he deficit financed it himself. So this was not like one of these things where he came in and he was being a douchebag. I was just no because he got so excited about filmmaking. Yeah, no, that is, but dude, that is funny. But yeah, just the, the the naivety of the whole like let's go, let's get it, let's get it. Yeah. Like because you joke about that on set. Like as soon, like okay, first shot is up, and as soon as that shot's done, you're like okay, well that's a wrap, right? And you yeah. like everyone's all like. One person always has a joke about, well, okay, well, we're done. Yeah. That's good. Good shoot, everybody. Like, yeah, exactly. 
you know, that's that's a that's the set dad joke. That's it, like it, a guarantee. You just wait till someone says it. And if they don't, I will. My <laughs> other my other favorite one was I was on a scout once, and, and I forgive me if I've I've told this story before, but I was on a scout. I got a call. I think it was for um, some funny or die sketch they used to film at the hair, you know, because obviously with all the looks stuff like that, so they used to film all their stuff there. And uh, they called me up, like the locations person called me and said, "Hey, we're going to be sending over the production designer, so can you show her around?" So that uh, to show her where the sets are, let her know what's up. I'm like, absolutely. So she gets there, and I'm showing her all the sets. And I'm like, yeah, you know, so there's this apartment here. Uh, the apartment set here. And, you know, because I, I, they kind of had given me the rundown of, of what, like, they, what were they were for. looking for, yeah. what, what the scenes were and all that stuff. And, and she's like, oh, okay. All right. Okay, cool, cool. And then we get in the elevator, and we start riding down. I'm like, so um, I go, so what? I can't remember what I said to her. I said, so you're, I, oh, I go, I, we, I go, so it's cool. I go, you, you like being a production designer? She's like, what? I'm like, do you like being a production designer? She's like, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a production designer. I'm, I'm just in the art department. I'm like, no, no, um, no, you're the, um, you're the production designer on this. She goes, I thought, what? Well, no, I thought you were. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't, I don't work with you guys. I'm like, you're the production designer. She goes, I'm the production designer. I go, yeah, you're the production designer on this shoot. She goes, oh, I guess I should call them. Wow. And my favorite, like, wait, no, I thought you were. No, no, I'm not even with your production. Wow. Not, wow. Isn't it? A, and I, I remember after she walked away, again, total misunderstanding. I remember she walked away. I'm like, there are days back then when I was like, and I can't get into this business. Right. And there are people who don't even know the that job. That they're working. They're, they don't even know they have a job. They didn't even know what job. And production designer title, that's like that's like a, that's like a title you You're want. designing the production. Yes. Like, that's, you're going to be responsible for the look of everything. <laughs> that's bizarre. But also, it, you know, I'm we talk about, we, on one hand, we talk about how concerned the industry is with safety. On the other hand, there is... A communication flow problem in on every show I've ever worked on, on every set I've ever been on. There's always one department that doesn't know what's going on. So always somebody left out in the cold on an idea or a plan. There's, there's, it's just, it's amazing. Again, I've said this a million times. It's amazing that anything gets made. Oh, I agree. By the way, did I ever tell you my favorite Lee Majors story from there? Lee Majors, you know who Lee Majors is. Right? Do. <laughs> well, first of all, isn't he the guy who wrote and sang the Fall Guy theme song? That's Did he what really? It, yeah. That's funny. I'm not the it, kind to kiss and tell, but I've been seen with Farrah. That's Farrah Fawcett, yeah. everybody. Oh, yeah. We've, yeah. He, I, was a, he was a stuntman. I just assumed Alan Thicke wrote everything back then. He did, but uh, just not that, <laughs> not, one, not that one. Lee Majors is like, they screwed me on $6 million, man. I'm not getting screwed on Fall Guy. So there was a, there was a good run, good cable run for a while. Back when Unsolved Mysteries was still going around with Robert Stack. By the way, I brought that into my act, and it is getting a huge laugh. But yes, what Unsolved Mysteries? Well, yeah, I, 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 oh, I talk about the difference of, of it being how I thought I was getting kidnapped, and I was like, I thought I was getting Dextered, and yeah, this was college, so we didn't have Dexter, but we definitely had fucking Unsolved Mysteries, okay? <laughs> and that shit was terrifying. <laughs> so people seem to be relating to that. Well, that's good. I'm glad people still remember Unsolved yeah, Mysteries. Yeah, Robert Stack. Robert Stack. And I remember... Coming out of the shadows in a trench coat like a psycho. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was in the that was at the Herald. He would step out of those, sh- those shadows. Those shots lot. were at the Herald? So many of them were, yeah. Wow. So he... Uh, <laughs> I'm, they used to film there all the time, and it, these were small crews. These were cable television show crews. You know, obviously, Unsolved Mysteries had its peak peak. Uh-huh. I worked on it towards the end. End, end 
And I, at that point, and I'll never forget this because I, I, to this day, which is why another reason why we have this podcast, I will never lose the fascination for Hollywood. I love it. I love staring at the Hollywood sign. I love the ocean. I love Venice Beach. I love Santa Monica. I love everything. I love Hollywood, right? Never will not love it. And I remember how jaded a lot of those people on that crew were because they had been doing, like, not a lot of money. They've been working on it forever. 20 years. And nobody wanted to sit with Robert Stack because, like, oh, he's going to tell that story about hanging out with President Kennedy again in the Lincoln room. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll hear it. I'll and, hear like, it. Baxter and I are like, we, we got it. We got this, guys. We'll go hang out with Robert Stack. Like, it's just they, they, the mentality of, like, oh, my God, I can't listen to that old guy talk anymore kind of thing. I'm like, but do you know? Do you guys know? Guy has seen some shit. Unsolved Mysteries was the end of his career. Yeah. And it was on for 20 years. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the guy who figured it out. He's from the Untouchables, you people. Dude, yeah. Get your shit straight. That's, but. I, I mean, I, again, it just, all those, Charles Durning came through. And I remember Charles Durning, like, I, one, of, one of my favorite movies as a small child was uh, with the Muppet movie, the first Muppet movie that came out. And I remember, like, I remember Charles Durning being there in that movie. And I, I, I just remember him coming in, working on, like, a Hallmark movie. And I was like. God, I mean, to, to me, I was like, this This kind of stuff was really cool. You know what I mean? Or Ed Asner coming in. I was just like, going to say, I know that Ed Asner was there. That guy, that guy has been, he's shot somewhere a week before I've shot just about everything yeah. I've ever done. He's like, oh, Ed Asner was here last week. Oh, Ed Asner. That's this girl I did something with years ago, plays poker with him all the time. Like, he's a, a, the nicest dude. Ed Asner, dude. Ed that Asner. guy's been around for fucking ever. Yeah. That's great. Valerie Harper just passed away. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, but she was around for a good long time too. So Hallmark and these these uh, companies, uh, uh, these cable companies, that's kind of what they specialized in. They specialized yeah. in hiring every familiar face from your past and incorporating them. And a lot of these were wraparound shows, which was like kind of like Unsolved Mysteries, where it's host driven. So right. it's like he wasn't there for I the actual tell you events. Something, just, yeah. and then we'll cut away. It's scripted. To all he stuff. walks out. Does yeah. like eight eight takes of each one, and yeah. then they le- let him go for the day. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what show it was that Lee Majors was hosting, but he was doing some sort of wraparound show, right? And I was like totally stoked. I'm like Lee, fucking Majors, Majors has got this goddamn six million dollar man. Dude, I here. had that Fall Guy truck, and uh, so he was there. He was shooting his stuff, and <laughs> I remember. Wandering around in in the holding area, and somebody goes, Brian, Brian, uh, we need your help. I'm like, what's up? They're like, listen, um, we need you to open the gate uh, so somebody can go get a six pack of Bud for Lee Majors. And I go, I'll tell you what, I'll do it. I'll no, go no, get no. the six pack. Oh, you wish that's what I would have said. <laughs> but instead, and this was a joke, I wasn't being a dick. I said, I'll tell you what. Why doesn't Lee Majors go get his own six-pack of Budweiser? And all I hear is this. I would if I could, kid. And I turn around like, God damn it. God damn it. Why did anybody tell me Lee Majors is standing right behind me? (laughs) Oh, wow. And he wasn't a jerk. He just, I think he picked up on my sarcasm, thank God. Yeah. But I'll never forget just hearing that. I would if I could. but, But also Lee Majors, what does he care if you're pissed? So it's like... 
He's still getting a six-pack he, he, of butt. He's, he's still going to be. But also, I believe that he would go if the production would let him out and go exactly. get it. Exactly, which they're not going they're to not do. They're not going to because if he goes there, who knows if he's not walking down. <laughs> walking down well, a, he's not confused. He's not with dementia. <laughs> I hope he just might take off with, hey, I got a six-pack. Now I'm going to this bar. Now I'm going to another bar. Right, yeah. I'll see you later. Uh, no, but at the, also at that time, it was a little bit sketchy around there. So, yeah, you could also get stabbed in the neck when you're if you're wandering yeah, and, too far. Yeah, and you don't want to, like, People, the bottom we, line is no, you don't let the talent just go wandering. Especially when he's that recognizable. Do you right. know what I mean? Like <laughs> no one's gonna have a problem with me going off set to get a sandwich, but like <laughs> Lee Majors shouldn't be leaving. <laughs> yeah, Lee Majors. Gotta love the guy. I do. What if I could? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mr. Lee Majors. Ha ha ha. I just also love the fact that he needed to say, go get me a six pack. <laughs> All right. Well, he was wrapped up for the day. He wasn't gonna get hammered. No, I didn't think on set. Right. I'll I'll Safety. save I'll 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 let you know who those people were off off camera. Off yeah, camera, we got sorry. the cameras rolling. Off off uh, off mic. Oh yeah, it's, I I found a, I I was going. I'm with, sure you've seen a few too in your time, but oh, I've been one. I, me- <laughs> remember, I I found that video of uh, that thing we shot at uh, your friend's garage. You found it, or well, did I send you some? I was, you oh my I was gosh, cleaning you got out some, like yeah, but that was just us. Yeah, right. Shooting a friendly thing, but yeah, you got hammered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you remember your progression of Happy Guy to just yeah. complete fucking asshole? But then I went back to Happy Guy. <laughs> I, I I corrected it pretty quick. You full circled. Yeah, I full circled. Oh, we got some shit. I got some stuff on tape somewhere. Yeah, no, I mean that. The I'm f- talking about the other stuff. Oh, <laughs> the camera's rolling before the camera's rolling. I got plenty of John. <laughs> so if I ever run for president. That's where you wrote the song, My Amazing Butthole. Oh. Because you were so drunk and you were so bored. You, my you found butthole, a guitar. my amazing butthole. Hold on one sec. Dad, if you could just turn this on. <laughs> but, it was, but it was all about you. I know. It, it ended I up know. being all about you. <laughs> I'm aware. Thank you for filling me in. I was very aware that day, and I'm still aware to this day. God, I'm a songwriter. Well, that was, that, it was not what we were calling you that day. <laughs> Who would have thought? But yes, no. I mean, I, I I don't think I've ever been. I don't think I've seen too much of, like the kind of older school, like George Papard hammered. You know what I mean? Like guys who drink like Mad Men used to drink. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and I don't think there was a. I don't think there was a ton of it. I do know. I mean, because I started in production in two thousand, and even back then they were like, you're technically you weren't even allowed, as you know, you're not even allowed to drink. At rap, like you're not supposed to be drinking. On, like they, you're not supposed to drink anywhere near the set. You, but my point is, you can't just pop a bottle of champagne. You're not supposed to pop a bottle. You're not supposed to bring a six pack at rap and do that. And did, did some people do that stuff? Of course they did. Dude, we did it all the time on Punked. But my point is, you're yeah. not supposed to. Like the production does not want to see that because that's well, a huge liability issue. Right. If you're still on location, you're still time. on set. If you're behind, yeah. if you're behind, if you're in the boundaries of that, you know. You're not supposed to be doing that, but of course people did that. Stuff. I mean, I yeah, I remember pounding beers with the crew just like at the back of someone's tailgate yeah. on the side of Mulholland, you know, just after after a shoot one day. Like we would like if if it was going to be a long week or a long couple of days, production was really good about hey let's let's go get some beers and put them in the cooler, and then we were really good about abusing the shit out of that and uh, making them go okay maybe we won't be doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I mean. Yeah, I mean, safety's a concern, but there's also, you know, you just, do, a lot of people just do whatever they want and then pay for it later or never get caught. Well, you know, for me, obviously I know this is going to come as no shock to anybody because of the way I talk about marijuana sticks, <laughs> but 
Once I became a producer, I looked at that stuff a lot differently. Sure, you you become someone who can be named in a lawsuit. Well, you, you also then change don't your know tune. Who, you also all of a sudden go, you know what? When I was younger, we thought it was hilarious that the guy drank all the time. When I get older, I'm like, oh, that motherfucker's an alcoholic. He's got a problem. He's going to fucking drive like... his car into a fucking wall and possibly kill himself and other people. So yeah. you just you or start he's changing drop a your light on set or yeah, you just start changing your perspective. Sure. And it doesn't make you a jerk. It just makes you. It also you you say producer, but also you became a dad. You grew up. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, like who said I grew up? Well, to a, a certain extent. But I like, mean, I'm woke. No, that's yes, different. that's what I mean. Okay. But like when I worked with Michael Madsen, uh, and I don't want to name drop, but he uh, he said he was telling stories about shooting Reservoir Dogs, and that's all I wanted from him was stories about Reservoir Dogs. Sure. So I was just like listening, and the stuff he was saying was pretty insane uh about the drugs and the alcohol that were on set and uh how they were really just kind of everyone but harvey keitel was like a young kid basically and he goes keitel was the only one who wasn't boozing it and doing drugs i go yeah he's harvey keitel he's also the best actor (laughs) in that movie like uh, so whatever but his stories were like you know he started talking about how crazy they got and then he he went with he said something like you know yeah, when you're doing that in your 20s, it's hilarious. Doing it in your 40s, sad. That's a little sad. And I was like, ooh, that's some wisdom from. Uh, and I was in my mid 30s at the time, so I was like, oh yeah. So you still had time. You were actually doing I, the math. I, I, like, well, I, I was actually. I did the math, and slowly, like, I was, I was, I was towards the end of that part of my life, I, uh, without really knowing it at the time. But yeah. like, also a week later, he was arrested in Italy. Uh, pissing on cars or whatever. Okay, he good. So he really, had, no he really wasn't lobbied. as profound. Yeah, it was crazy. Don't practice what you preach situation. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking that. The whole time he was talking to you, did you have Lee on your shoulders? No, but Lee was around. He yeah. was on that. It was he was on that movie for sure. Uh, and then I, it was funny because he showed he, Madsen showed up with, with bright blonde hair. Like they hired Michael Madsen, the guy who they saw in Reservoir Dogs, and they got. Guy Fieri, mm-hmm. like his hair was spiked up, <laughs> his hair was spiked up, and everything, and they were all like, just the, the director's face was like, huh, okay, and then at the end of it all, I go, oh, is is, is Madsen, Madsen still here? And they go, nah, he left. I go, oh, where's that robe? They go, he took it. <laughs> he just left in his wardrobe. You were gonna take his robe? No, I just wanted to see it. His I robe just DNA. To see it. I just wanted to see it because it was funny looking. But, but uh. All right, I'm done with my pee break. All right, uh, so the two funniest things. I'm not editing this. That's, uh, I'm, it's so funny. Remember when we first started, I'd be like, all right, we got to take that part out. I'd be like, for what? For who? <laughs> you want to show? Well, I think what we're doing now is we're showing people behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Okay, and we're back. Uh, the two funniest things Madsen did, though, on that movie to me were when the director was walking him around the set and showing him like what his action was going to be and what, where he was going to be standing and everything. Uh, the, he was the, in the scene. He's just supposed to be making sangria, so he's just cutting up fruit, throwing uh-huh. it in a punch bowl or whatever. And he—that's how he's supposed to talk to us while he's doing that. And the director goes, "Do you see anything you don't like? You want anything out here? Is there anything?" And he just goes, "A gun." And the director goes, "Excuse me." He's like, "I—I I, I would have a gun out here. Can we have a gun?" <laughs> <laughs> and the scene is like the backyard of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s house on like a Saturday afternoon. Wait, like, his real house? Well, it was supposed to be his real house. It was just a it was a house we were shooting at. But like there was no literally he's just a guy in the backyard making sangria. He's like, I would normally have a gun. And the director's like, We don't have any guns. <laughs> he's like Did you get him a gun? And he goes, No, he goes, he goes, Okay. 
And then and then he was like, when he would do his, the whole thing was we walk him back like we see him, we know who he is. He's playing Michael Madsen in this movie. We see him. Our characters see oh, him. Oh, so he's saying as Michael Madsen, I would have a gun. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that was the funniest thing. It's like he's playing himself, and he's like, normally I would have a gun. It's like to make sangria, dude. You don't need a gun. That's amazing. Okay. So then he goes when when we when me and uh, Jed Reese was the other actor I was with, and we we walked. We do the scene, and we're supposed to be like, "Hey, is is Cuba Gooding Jr. here?" And he goes, "He's supposed to be like, nah, just me." And then he just goes, he turns, he goes, "No, just me, Michael Madsen." <laughs> like says his full name, and every time it was all I could do to like keep from laughing. But it was it was a lot of, it, it was a lot of fun to work with that guy. And I'll say that I don't know if he was trying to do this or not, but he inadvertently gave me a lot of confidence by like. He would see me and Jed together. He would chuckle. He'd go, you know, whatever th- whatever you guys are doing, this works and it's funny, and I like it. And like he was just very complimentary of everything. And 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 I always want to hear crazy fucking stories about booze and, and drug abuse on sets of movies from back in the day. Like I find that very interesting, and and it definitely captures my imagination. But um, but uh, but he was just like I I make I make jokes about him and stuff. But he's he was really fun to work with. You know yeah. what I mean? Just a really solid dude. And uh, I would love. And we did another scene where I was supposed to be. I, I, we go to a Hollywood party and I'm all nervous and I don't know what's going on. And I try to go use the bathroom and he comes out of the bathroom with like two women, and he just looks at me and I'm like, Oh, Michael Madsen fucks two <laughs> chicks at once. <laughs> So bizarre. I worked on a, uh, uh, again, uh, going back to the Herald, uh, I worked on a shoot with him, low budget, and he was in it. Gary Busey was in it. And the funny thing is, both of those guys like to smoke. Gary Busey likes to smoke cigars. Madsen at the time was smoking cigarettes, and obviously you're not allowed to smoke on set, so they would always hide, which was always hilarious. I caught Michael Madsen hiding behind a desk when I came in. Because, you know, I'm, I'm the, back then, like, I was the enforcer, right? I was the guy that you dreaded having step on set because there was a pretty good chance I was going to bring something up that did not please you. Well, right, right, right. But also, but, um, cigarette smoke, you can't hide it. No, you, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what was Stop. so funny. You can't so hide it. I literally it. just looked at him. Like, I leaned over, like, around the corner and gave him <laughs> the what's up. Like, I'm not... I'm not gonna tell you to stop smoking. I think we already know. Like you, you know already I mean? know you're not supposed yeah. to. So I just gave him the look, whatever, and kind of we both just kind of laughed it off. I didn't care. But there was this other scene where they were down in the basement, and the basement the basement at that time was extremely old. Like it's about a hundred years old. So like for for a lot of people that don't understand this, you know, when when buildings no no when buildings eventually get rehabbed, uh, doors. Um, uh, the, 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 those things are have value. Like they they take that stuff off. It has this not historical value, but like they're so old that people will buy that stuff. It's got secondhand value to it, right? Um, so right. they call me down. They're like, "Hey, Brian, we got this scene where he's a cop. He wants to kick this door in." And I'm like, you know, classic independent. I'm like, "Well, okay. Do you guys have your own door that you're going to kick in? Because you don't just kick in our door, this door." And they're like, "No." And I'm like, "Well, you can't kick this door." And they're like, "All right, we'll just tell him to." To just you know, open it up. He'll kick it in. And I then came. I, I came down later, and they. I went over. I'm like, the door got kicked in, and they're like, yeah, yeah he he kicked it in, and he and, and he came over. He's like, yeah, you sorry about that. It just it just felt right, and then like that was the end of it. And I was like, I mean, at the end of the day, I didn't do anything about it, but I do think it's really funny that production was like, oh, okay, so are you leaving now, or where where are you going? Mm-hmm. Where are you gonna be? Where it's you- a, it's always. 
I'm surprised they asked you first, because in that case, usually it's do it and then ask for forgiveness. Do you know what I mean? Right. Because uh, they were going to do it anyway, and you kind of knew that anyway, walking away. You were like, Unless you stand door. right there, and even if you did, that they probably still, would still do it right in front of your face. And because, go, oh, sorry about that. And they know you're not going to jump in the shot and well, go. I did that once. Well, once, but I mean, if Michael Madsen was about to kick in the door, you go, hey! Hey! No, no you would have watched him kick it in and then looked at the director and gone, hey! Well, you know, it's funny, and a lot of productions, they use the talent as their shield because they're like, well, he's not going to yell at the actor. Yeah. He's going to yell at us, so we'll let the actor do whatever the actor does. And then go, ugh, sorry. And go, yeah, I mean, you know, you know actors, right? Like, they just, they get, they're in the moment, they're method. And on that same film, though, it was these two young directors, and I felt really bad for them. I think, I again... Forgive me, probably have told this story at some time in our 150 some odd episodes. But so Busey was on that one. The problem with Busey on that was that he didn't want to smoke cigarettes. He wanted to smoke cigars, but he didn't have any cigars. He needed production to go get him some cigars. <sighs> and guess who wouldn't? Because then he then they were like, well, no, we can't really just be getting you cigars. He's like, well, you know what? And they're like, what? He's like, well, my character smokes cigars. So now he's turned it into a production related, character driven. <sighs> prop issue so then production shuts down for like two hours because this is back b- back when they were making this movie downtown los angeles is not what downtown you'd los have to angeles go is. find a place that sold cigars and it was probably beverly hills or yeah, somewhere everything weird. downtown at that time was a front boarded up. every other store was selling yeah. dj equipment and you have to ask yourself how many djs right. were there that you needed to have seventy five thousand? they're all fronts right yeah um, or selling jeans and DJ booth or DJ yeah. equipment, so they, they. I just remember that I'm just listening to the radio back and forth, like we don't know when he's coming back with cigars, because we found some, and Mr. Busey said he didn't like that kind, and we told him, <laughs> Mr. Busey, there's no other cigar place around here, and we have to get back to filming because he wouldn't come out of his trailer Tell the cigars until he got his character, got his character mm-hmm. cigars. Yeah. Right? So eventually he got his character cigars, and he did that intentionally so that he could smoke them on set. And the thing is, as you know, you could smoke them when the camera's rolling, and then you're supposed to hand the cigar to or the cigarette master. to a prop master who takes it, puts it out, and again... Cuts it, makes it sure it's the same size when the scene starts up yeah, again. Yeah, he, he would just go sit over in his chair, and I just remember him defiantly sitting there staring at me, <laughs> smoking his cigar, because he knew. He's like, what are you going to do about it? What are you gonna do about it? And I was like, I just found it entertaining. I found the guy to the point where, like, I was like, this guy is just now, he's just entertaining me. He's like, a character. I'm not gonna get himself. mad. I, yeah. I can't get mad. He knows I'm not gonna get mad because he knows he's Gary Busey. I know he's Gary Busey. He knows that he knows that I know his baggage because he knows his baggage. <laughs> he's like, it's very like aware. the whole thing. Yeah. And that was that same movie where he didn't come out of his trailer when he decided at the end that his character didn't want to die. And I think I told you that story before, right? <laughs> his character didn't. His character was die. supposed to get killed in in a jail in jail, and it was it was actually the last shot of the of of this production, <laughs> and it was also a crucial scene where if, if they were because I remember couldn't them tie going, the movie together without. They're it. like, sir, we're sorry, but the character has to die. He goes, no, I've been thinking about it. I don't think he should die anymore. They're like, well, he has to. Because if he doesn't, the actual story doesn't make any sense. He's, he's like, lost. And he's like, well, you guys will figure it out. Just, I'm going to go ahead and stay alive on this one. They're like, no, no. And again, hours go by. And this is like, 
It's the last day of the shoot, right? So you can only imagine. It's got to be like two or three o'clock in the morning. Everybody wants to go home. It's an independent film. Everybody's just working for no money and pissed. And he finally concedes. They rap, and then and everyone's like, "Woo! All right, we're rap. Let's get out of here." And he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on, everybody, hold on first. And he's like, "Hold on a second, everybody." Mr. Busey Busey wants to make a a long rambling (laughs) speech. (laughs) I know you all want to leave, but everyone sit down for the next hour and a half. And he covered everything from Jesus to (laughs) let's let's. There was it was an incoherent speech about everything from God to Jesus to you know working together as a team Mm -hmm. to. Creative process. What, what like year everything. was this? Oh my god, I don't even remember. This could be early two thousands. Okay, so I was gonna say it would be great if it was like more recent when people had recorders on their phones and someone could just hold that up to a walkie nope. and just get that speech. It's just people like me just heard it, it and laughing about it and just thinking this is. I honestly, again, for me personally, I was like, this is hilarious, is amazing. Yeah, I'm enjoying this, and mm-hmm. I know there were many people on that set that were not enjoying it. I think deep I down though, they were they they whether they, they, they knew that story it or not, for the rest of their lives, they were dude. happy. Happy to have that story for the rest of their lives because there is there are some things that I've heard that only you can only learn from people that were there. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just one of those. And we all know uh, Gary Busey is like a known lunatic. Like that's not he doesn't hide that. He's my he friend. Is who he is. My friend Joe Hursley did a did a movie with Jake Busey, and he was waiting at a stop sign or a stoplight uh, at with a busy intersection stoplight uh, after a shoot one day, and Gary Busey had come to set to see his son. So Gary Busey's leaving, and he's standing next to Joe. And Joe's like, oh, hey, I, I'm a big fan, you know. I really liked, uh, I like working with your son, too. Jake is great, you know. And I can't remember exactly what he said to him, but it was something crazy. And then he literally just ran into traffic. Like, he goes, dude, I'm telling you, he didn't even look. He just ran, and pe- cars had to swerve around him, and he just crossed the street. And I was like... That dude has lived his life just being Gary Busey, full yeah. bore. Busey on the Lucy, dude. B- Busey, Busey on the, on the Lucy. Um, that was that story. The Busey and the Lucy story, as you know, comes from the, we were filming three movies back to back to back. Two of them were filming at the exact same time. All three of them had Gary Busey in it. Oh my god! This is back. Apparently, you know, I mean, you also learn. That independent filmmaking has their circuit, the guys that they pull from that guarantee that they're going to get distribution. Mm-hmm. And he was one of those names, Steven Seagal. Like, there was just certain guys that you knew what was coming with them. You sunk the budget into them because yeah. they were the only way that your movie was going yeah, to get seen. it was going to get more people to... I don't know if you... you remember Rawl uh, D saying yeah. that about John? Not, not, not John, yeah. but John Candy's yeah. telling them, like, I'm only here, yeah. so this movie gets seen. Yeah. You guys are the stars, which yeah. I thought was was... Very, uh, a very, very cool and a very solid understanding of the business and what was happening. But the know? Busey and the Lucy was, I had three films there at once. They were all Gary Busey's. And that day, he actually was not filming, which made it even more confusing. I had, some, I had somebody working the main gate to get onto the property. And Gary Busey just pulled up, opened up his car door and goes, how you doing? And walks past. And the person was new and they didn't know what to do. So they started chasing after him. Going, Mr. Busey, please, you can't park your car, Mr. Busey. Mr. Busey's like, yeah, hey, 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 everybody. He's just walking past like a mayor, like waving everybody. 
And then the person panicked and just got on the radio and just was yelling, Busey on the Lucy. <laughs> Busey on the Lucy. And I, nobody knew what the hell that meant. <laughs> and finally, I get, you know, a, I you know, take it to two, and it's like, wait, car, it's blocking the thing. He's not even supposed to be here today. He's not on anybody's call list. And he was just walking around like everyone's confused. Like, Showing what is he up doing to work here? when he doesn't have to He's be like, there. He's like, how's the guy doing over there? He walked into the wrong set. And the funny thing about it is this, this specific scene that they were filming was this Jenny McCarthy movie called Dirty Something Dirty, uh, um, Dirty Love. Dirty Love and uh, John Asher, who she was married to, I believe at the time, was was directing it. They were actually, Jenny McCarthy and, and John Asher, they were actually super cool people. They were easy to get along with, easy to work with. That whole production was easy to get along with. And they were filming some weird scene in that room where this guy has a fish in his butt <laughs> as as a sex as a sexual deviant kind of thing. Uh-huh. And so they're filming that scene with this guy bent over with a fish in his ass. With a fish in his ass. And Gary Busey just walks into the scene. He's like, I y'all doing it today. They're like, uh cut. And I remember one person going, I just this. remember hearing one one actually I'm sorry. He was it was two of the three. He was not in that movie. And I remember hearing <laughs> on the radio is Gary Busey in our movie? <laughs> he is now. That's <laughs> what somebody said. <laughs> like, he's not even on this. Everyone's looking at their call sheets like, am I supposed to be watching Gary Busey? How is... <laughs> I don't have him listed here. Uh, Gary Busey is on set. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gary Busey is not on our movie. I understand that, but... I think you're going to have to tell Gary, Gary Busey that. Yeah, Gary Busey <laughs> is walking around shaking everyone's hands. We're still rolling. Gary we are Busey's still the rolling. The of your production company. He is trying to shake the fish out of the man's butt. He is Gary Busey. He's just telling he stories is. about when it happened to him. <laughs> oh, yeah. This has happened to me before. Gary Busey has left set. We can go back to filming now. <laughs> I just love it. Two movies he's in. One he's not, and he just walks onto that walks set. Walks onto like, that Hi. set. You see on the Lucy. That's very funny. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about pitching. Um, uh, you mean baseball pitching? Yeah, I mean, I mean what, I, what I the Cubs techniques. are doing and why they haven't acquired anyone and how they're going to eat their own assholes uh, during the playoffs. The Dodgers, I think, are going to dominate yeah. the NL. Then yeah. they're going to play uh, the Yankees. Yeah. If the Astros beat the Yankees, I'll be surprised, but I wouldn't be completely shocked. Let's let's just peel it back a sec here and not talk about baseball per se. But went to a game yesterday. Oh yeah, and uh, with 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 uh, the wife and one of the kids, and there was a couple sitting behind us. And I see a lot of these pictures. You know, when I used to spend a lot of time on the interwebs, people who stick their bare feet through seats to relax themselves on planes and stuff like that. Ugh. So I had a young couple sitting behind us who were using our backrests to rest their feet on the whole time, even when we would sit back, and didn't seem to feel the need to move their feet. You like, didn't tell them to move their I feet? I did. Eventually, I was like, well, because I'm thinking to myself... You're going to figure this out on your own. Do You're I a- need to actually <clears throat> tell you that your feet should not be up on the seat? If Look, I get it if no one's sitting there. I totally get it. I do that all the time in benches and seats like that. But come on, man. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't want to be angry dad. You don't have to be angry dad. You can state the facts. And the facts are, we live in a society. Get your (laughs) fucking feet off my seat. But I, you know, I I got a bit excited. We we went to to the game. And they were scoring a lot of runs in that game. It was like a 16 to something. It was beat down? Who they play? Yeah, but sometimes when we go to the games, there's no runs. 
and yeah. no one's really hitting the ball. And it, it and the, and if the pace is slow, it feels slow. And that game also had a delay in it because the umpire got hit and he had to be oh. replaced in the game. Like it just went on and on and on. But it, it was, it was but, still fun to but go. See they're the game. now on a roll. They're now the Dodgers are now on that yeah, 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 playoff. Yeah. They're run, they're like, playing at a different level. Of, dude, I mean. You're talking Dodgers and the Yankees and the Astros are on par. If they win, you know, if they can win ten more games, they'll they'll all have uh, even less. They'll all have over a hundred wins. Yeah, and that's looking good. That's crazy. I mean, when was the last time three teams had over a hundred wins in a season? Probably a while back. I don't know. It's you know probably steroids. Probably steroids. Probably steroids. But uh, <laughs> just the wins. Just the wins are on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> you did. If you lost, you weren't on roids. That's right. Um, but no, when I said pitching, I was talking about pitching ideas and yeah. pitching scripts and pitching uh-huh. uh, yourself essentially to networks and or companies and or people. Yeah. Uh, you've been doing a lot of that lately. Uh-huh. How you like it? I think it's different now. Um, then when you say different now? Different from the past. I think that there's a mindset you have Excuse to... Excuse me. I understood that that meant from the past. I meant like when from the past. Like when, was the, when were you out throwing, I think, well, throwing like younger. Like if I was to say like 10, 15 years ago... Gotcha. I think I, I reeked of a little more desperation. Like I need you. I need you to love me. I need you. Yeah. Right? Like, if you and, don't love me, no one will. Yeah. Like and and so I think now my approach is ex- exactly the opposite, which is I have I have these great ideas. I'm really excited about them, right? And I I want you know I'm I'm good at what I do, and hopefully we jive together because that's really what this is about. I realized a long time ago that pitching the idea is extremely important to an extent. But really what's going on here is everybody is sitting across the they going, can I spend any more minutes of my life? Well, I want to push this guy down a flight of stairs yeah. after he keeps talking about this idea. Or am I just indifferent in general? Like, I think that you have to, your, your job in life is to continue to go around and meet people. And the majority of them are not going to jive with you. Right. And that just goes for friendships to pitching to job interviews, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's okay. It is totally okay. You and eventually you're going to whittle it down and you're <laughs> going to find yourself in the places that you're supposed to be because the ideologies match, because the people, the personalities match. You click. So what ends up happening now when I do these meetings is that's really what I'm analyzing. That's really what I'm there for now is like I'm very much at ease at this point. I don't treat anything... Like it's gonna make or break who I am as a person anymore. It's just it's just not. I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of, and you may not wanna you may not wanna go down, you know, make do that venture with me. But what I've noticed is since I've taken that approach, it's it's been um the pitching has been easier and um eventually I find that we'll probably be more successful. Yeah. <clears throat> I think you're I think you're right. I think when you stop um it's it's not it's it's not that we're not all sort of desperate anyway but <clears throat> i think what we forget as the people on one side of the table is that those companies that you're pitching to are also desperate 
You know what I mean? Like they <clears throat> they claim they're not. They like you know they can pretend they're they're big time, but they're talking to you for a reason. They need something. You yeah. know what I mean? And if you're a fit, you're a fit. And if your thing is not a fit, it's not a fit. But it's almost like it, go, it goes back to acting. It's like I don't think that no one in the room is actively wanting you to fail. They want you to succeed. They would love to have your idea be so good that everyone unanimously is like, dude, we will buy this and we will make it. You but know that's not I mean? reality and that's not how it works. Exactly. Everything is a risk, no right. matter who you buy it from. It's just that the industry, uh, I mean, the, the insight that I can share, and I don't think that this is negative. I think this is just stating the facts and the stating the truth. The industry is based on safety, making the safest decisions. That's why it's so hard to crack into it. That's why sometimes you can actually go to IMDb when you see a mediocre product, in your mind, a mediocre product, and you can maybe IMDb someone who either created it or wrote it or whatever, and you will see that they have made a career of <clears> writing <throat> stuff that you just don't jive with. You're like, not, that was not... You're not the target audience. But we're not, we're not even the target audience. It's just a lot of unsuccessful product. And you may say to yourself, well, how is this possible that this person is continuing to work, but they're making and they are creating unsuccessful product. It's a, it's, a, it's a safety net because what ends up happening is their volume of work outweighs their willingness to take a risk on a newbie. That's yeah. just the reality of it. It's a weird part of this business that they, they have a it's – it's, believe it or not, Hollywood is a very small group that you have to try to break into. And if you succeed at any level – just be glad you're in and take it and run with it for as long as you can. Yeah. You know, because there is always going to be somebody else trying to break in as well. Um, and, it, and again, the, the bigger picture here, and some of you may have been reading about it online and stuff like that, about the, the packaging deal issues and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. the, the Writers Guild, you know, at war with some of the agents and stuff like that. And you'll hear every single joke in the book. Like, why does anybody need an agent? Why does anybody need a lawyer? Oh, too many lawyers. Like, why does anybody need a manager? Why, why is that person a development exec? Why, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you can go down the, the mm -hmm. whys, whys, whys. But the business works a specific way. And a lot of it is relationship-driven. And a lot of it is money-driven. And a lot of it is package-driven. And it's just like... Because with packages come more money. Well... One person can make more money off of more people if they're all working collectively underneath them. Mm -hmm. And so that's a business decision, right? That's, that's like a stockholder mentality, right? Like, how do I maximize my profit? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the majority of... What, I don't think people understand. The majority of films and television shows fade away. They're not quickly. successful. Quickly. But there's a lot of money to be made... In a lack of success, if that makes any sense, what I'm saying. They made a whole movie about it called The Producers. Yeah. So you can be extremely successful by just getting the money up front, right, and making the product. And fin if the product finishing fails, the product, finishing the product, uh, under or around budget. Yeah. But if the project fails, specifically in television, which has a high rate of failure, you can continue to do that over and over and over again, and make a decent wage, and then in hopes. You're not saying I'm not saying anybody does it specifically to fail, but my point is you can make a business out of it with hopes of obviously having one that breaks because one breaks that's re that's like the silly money that when you're driving around you're going how do people live like this? That's right. because they've <clears throat> they've broken into the next level which is silly money level. Yeah, but but I think um I do think you have to I think Yes, you can continue to work on things that ne don't necessarily pick up or get canceled or are considered failures. But 
I think if your attitude while you're working on these things is to make them as good as you can. Correct. And you're not just some guy going, I want a paycheck or I don't give a shit about this. There are a lot of people that do that. There are people that do that, but I think the ones that keep are the ones that the, the executives and other people see as like, look, this is a pile of garbage we handed this dude, and he is at least, or woman, I don't mean to be, you know, whatever. Person. Person. Um, but, but like, and at least he has, they have smiled through it and put together some form of an ending that we have here yeah. now. So, like, that, I think that goes a long way because, like, 80% to 90% of TV is shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Not like, intentionally, though. No, not, no, no, no. I don't believe it anybody happens. sets out to make garbage. No. I really don't. I think even in the world of reality, there is someone, there is someone within, behind everyone that's like, okay, if we had this show showing showcasing these people, we might be able to show them as human. We may be able to... Sh- da, da, da. I believe that there's good intentions behind almost all of it. But what happens when too many fingers get into the pot, when mm-hmm. too many chiefs get into the... Chefs get into the kitchen, whatever you want to call it. But watch, like, wa- um, read up on the movie John Carter by Disney. That's what happened. It's right? a, gr- a great insight on um, a the, billion dollar flop. Well, because the, the because you know the the old the old the train has left the station thing, and what was already tied into it. It's a very interesting read. Is all I'm yeah. saying. It's it's it, it would give you great insight of how certain things end up happening. Yeah, and why it doesn't get stopped. If that makes any sense. Yeah. But no, and I wasn't trying to position it as a negative. Right. What I was trying to say was that if you understand the playing field, it's a lot easier to navigate the playing field. Mm-hmm. Instead of being angry and or resistant to what is in front of you, understand how it works, and you have a greater chance of succeeding. in it. You know, somebody that I know very well, who I don't know where she's at right now in this process, but has um, been very successful, which is Jackie Fabulous. Is, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Jackie told me many, many years ago before she's for right now, I think she's America's Got Talent, right? She's one of the finalists in America's Got Talent for stand up. And she had said to me, she's like, you know, I kind of made an assessment of the landscape and what is best for me. And she's like, so I'm really going to put all my energy into being this Jackie Fabulous stand-up comedian, and that's, that is my goal. I'm not going to try to get into writing. I'm not going to try to get into acting right now. Like, I have a, I have a plan. Laser-focused on laser just focused. <clears throat> And I was like, all right, you know, good luck with that. I know a lot of people that it's like it's not an easy path, and you know what? She stuck to it, and it took years and years and years, and it's funny, and it's actually great to see it pay off. Oh, yeah. yeah when yeah. it does pay off for somebody, because I knew... I knew when they had said that. Like I saw they when they said, "This is what I'm." I'm you know what? I'm not messing around anymore. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And to see it pay off has been awesome. And again, she made an assessment. She made a business decision based on what on what, what her needs saw. were and what she saw and where she could succeed, how the business worked, and how she could succeed in that business. And that's what I'm talking about. It's like understanding your playing field and knowing what it what you have to do in order to get there. And that's she's a perfect example of that. And in doing that, she has that, like, <clears throat> by not, because when she made that decision, the landscape was different, meaning uh, there might not have been enough roles for people like her. Yeah. You know, there might she might have been overlooked at, at, for certain things that she could have been great in, 
Whereas, so, so why focus on the acting? If she sees that as not a viable option, she focuses on the stand-up. The stand-up has now gotten her to America's Got Talent. She is soon like a household name, technically, yeah. within the Midwest and the people that are, you know, that love those shows. Like, she, people will always remember Jackie Fabulous. She's going to, her touring is going to increase. She's going to make more money. She's going to do more shows. She's, she's on, but also at the same time, she'll get noticed by people in Hollywood who are like, oh my God, you know who would be great in this movie? Jackie Fabulous. Yep. You know, you, by, by, by focusing, Focusing on the one thing, she is now at, at, at now at a time when she is creatively and mentally ready to explore other options. She, they're going to come to her. Yep. So the, America's Got Talent. If you do watch it, I highly recommend Jackie Fabulous and Ryan Neemiller, uh, Club Nub, um, as the uh, as the two people you should be voting for nonstop because I they, those are two people that you're right. You, I've seen the work Jackie puts in. She busts her ass, and Ryan has been. He's been through some shit, you know what I mean? And he has maintained this, I'm going to be a comedian. He's one of these guys that's like, yeah, I had to live in a car on a tour. I had to do, you know, he will do whatever it takes to go tell jokes in some run-down shitbox. Like, he's not, it's got to be Caesar's Palace. It's got to be, uh-uh. He wants to tell jokes. Like, those, both of them are legitimate, straight-on comedians. Yeah. And... It's a it's a beautiful thing because it's rare these yeah. days, you know, to see someone who's that driven to just do comedy. Well, it's funny because <clears throat> I all, the the other person um, I should have him on the show. I forgot about this. He because he and I used to go at toe to toe because he was he's like his IMDb for being a producer like goes on and on and on and on because he did so much low budget stuff. His name is mm -hmm. Mike Pfeiffer. He's a good dude. And he and I just kind of we when initially when he came in I was like this dude's too aggressive like this low budget guy always wanted to push the limits, you know. But that's just how he rolled. And over time I grew to respect him. And I remember he and I um, went out and grabbed some lunch one time. And I was like, you know, I want to. I, I go. I, I'm tired of doing this. You know, being a, the Herald Examiner guy. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to direct. I want to. I want to produce. And he goes, Hey, can I tell you something? He goes, That's great. He goes, But you can't just say it. He goes, that's the problem with most people is they keep telling me what they, what do. they want. <clears throat> he goes, I'm going to tell you something and you're not going to like it. you got to start going and doing it. And he goes, not, you're not going to get a big budget to direct or a big budget to produce. He goes, as a matter of fact, you get the exact opposite. You're going to get nothing. Yeah. And you got to be okay with that. And you have and to you make keep that doing work that. because yeah. you love it. Yeah. That's the only... When you get in to the entertainment industry, there is no money. Like, all the money is stuck at the top. You're working for peanuts, yeah. whether you're an actor, whether you're a PA, whatever your intro-level thing is. Yeah. You have to love it. There's no, again, I go back to Kyle Kinane saying this, but he's like, it's an advice he would give anybody who's like, I think I'm, I'm thinking about doing stand-up comedy. If you wouldn't do stand-up comedy for free for the rest of your life, then don't even start. Yeah. Don't start because if you're if you're focused on like I gotta get my money I gotta get that's a, never quit your day job you can keep your day job and you can have a very lucrative stand up career you mm -hmm. know what I mean yep there's nothing keeping you from it except you know schedule money willpower <laughs> devotion just you know but it's it is interesting again you know going and bringing this all back to pitching which was I just kind of reshaped like what is it again it's what is it that you want and what is it that you're doing about it because what you do about it is what builds the confidence quite frankly you know what I mean if you're doing nothing then and you go into a room yeah it's going to show mm -hmm. it's going to it's going to rear its ugly head at some point so you you don't live day to day going 
how many pitches do I have today? I just got to get better at pitching. It's not about that. It's it, you have to get better at what you do, and then when you go in there, you'll be better at pitching. But the only way to get better at what you do is to do it. To do it, yeah. Like, and that's and that, and honestly, that's the kind of stuff. Like when you do something for low budget, whether it's produce, direct, act, write, when you know there's no money involved, those are the stories you'll have forever that you'll go back to. Mm-hmm. Those that like the struggle and the and the getting involved and getting it off the ground and getting people to look at it and like. That's the craziest part of it all, and that's the most rewarding. That's why you keep doing it. You know what I mean? So I feel like I don't know. I feel I, I just it, I feel like you have to love it in order to even get involved. There's just no. That's why I'm always amazed at how many angry and bitter people I you come into contact with within the industry because you're like, huh. Well, because I think a lot of that anger and bitterness, which I've had, I know you've had. Oh, too. I definitely have had it. Yeah. Um, but I'm on the weed now. I'm woke with weed, so I'm not really. Oh yeah, you had an right. edible two days yeah, ago, so yeah. you're definitely <laughs> you love everybody. Yeah, and now. I know people at my place now. Ah, so yeah, you're my, a regular. My hood, you're a regular. I hang out. I'm they, sure Sheila works with you at the counter, and then Brent or whoever. Brent, <laughs> Derek, um, guy the in a uh, Dr. Seuss hat. What's that? Is it a guy in a Dr. Seuss hat? No, but I think that ultimately, again, you know, you. I'm looking at your shirt. Like, you've got the Sordahan shirt on, right? Um. And it was stuff like that, like, in the last meeting that I, that I went to, where it really started, what I noticed, when it really started clicking was when I started talking about stuff like Sordahan and the ridiculous nature of some of the things that I've done, but it's been ridiculous and also <clears throat> successful. And, and I you will got them done. They're done, and also the fact that I can say to somebody, oh, by the way, I'm actually in the middle of shooting something right now can we with the reschedule? same people that I shot something with that is, that's been winning some awards on the, on the film circuit. And they kind of go, wait, oh, okay. And you, and you look, you ha- yes, is that an intentional sales pitch part of it? Absolutely. It is. Yeah. It's all true, and it's confidence-built, and it's because I know that they need to know that I've done some stuff. They need to know that I've actually, like you said, that I've finished stuff not that i have done nothing and i'm hoping that oh, they will this say guy yes. wants to be a director oh cool yeah well, so does want- everybody yeah <laughs> but i wanted them to know that i have completed product yeah so that yes i would like to work on this product with you but i've also completed product i'm not and you've been asked you. back to work with those same people on other the things that you've worked on yeah. before people want to continue to collaborate with you so you're not a one and done guy yeah you know what I mean? There's there's a lot to be, and also like I think that's I do the same thing. If I can't make a like a callback or something, I have my agent say that I'm in the middle of shooting something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? It at least makes them think, well, this guy works. He gets he works. The, he gets the deal. He yeah. knows what's going on. And again, you've been invited back to other things. People like working with you. Work brings work. Work brings work, and also like you said, don't like. And this goes no matter where you are. That's why I loved having BJ on uh, last week. Like, no matter where you live, like what we have in our hands now, these phones, it you could make a movie. Uh, th- people made a movie. I did. People make movies on iPhones. Yeah, they get done all the time now. Yeah. Um, there's nothing to keep you from starting. And I and I get it. Like, it's I I look at it like stand up. The first movie you make, whether you direct, produce, act, whatever you do for it, right. It's not going to be good. Don't don't expect it to be great. You know what I mean? Um, as you do stand up, like your first five years, you suck. You suck, and whether you think you don't, you're wrong. You do, 
Um, you, you just need to give it time, and you, and the more you do it, the more the better you find your voice. You get better at it. You you become more confident. You understand what you're doing. You become somebody that everybody else looks at and goes, "Dude, this guy taught himself." You know, and even if you've gone to film school, I don't mean to say taught yourself, but like this guy basically is capable of handling a workload. Yeah, and and it, and it's never easy. I don't care if your budget is massive. I don't care if your budget is nothing. It's never easy. If you have no. a massive budget, you're you're dealing with egos and you're dealing with all kinds of shit. If you have no budget, you're just dealing with time, schedules, people's lives, you know. I, I equate making product, whether it's a film or television. You sound show. like you make meth when you could talk about These it like that. These are products. They are. They are yeah. <laughs> when I, when I, you know, but making a film or television show, I'll, I'll equate one of those two things. Um, similar to um, birth and having mm-hmm. a child. Ooh. People always say to like, why does a woman keep having babies? Because it looks that, painful. It, right, right. Why, they don't look happy. Why while do you pregnant? keep producing movies? It looks miserable. It, the 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 birth process is violent. Uh, the first couple of years are disgusting mm-hmm. and exhausting, but yet you keep going back to that well. It's it's what you've created. At some point, you finish the creative process. You look back. You're proud of your. You're proud of what you That's created. That's my baby. And you're like, well, do it again. And you get in there and you're like, oh, I oh forgot about this part. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it's do just we like, have to do that shot again. Yeah. It's like how your body oh, doesn't re- your body doesn't remember pain. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like you can't relive pain because yeah. that would be awful. Yeah. But that's why. And you sort of so you sort of forget about it. So like, I've done the same thing, like finished a season on punk. Like, man, that was, we're done. Woo. High five. Let's go get drunk. Let's party for two weeks. Oh, it got picked up again. We're back in the offices. I'm like, oh, right, this. Yes, and you're not. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you're like, this is really boring right now. This is horrible right what now. What happened and to the exciting shit? The ending. <laughs> but it, but again, it's you. You go through that process, and it, it, you'd have you got to love it. Yeah, you do because there are going to be times where you're going to be sweaty, gross, disgusting, tired, frustrated. Not getting what you want. That's ninety percent of it. Yeah, and and <laughs> but ultimately, you go in and you see some of the dailies, or you see some of the stuff you shot, and you go, "Huh, that's fucking good." That's dude. And there and there it is. There's the adrenaline kick, and you and you. So you go right back into it. You it's literally. Right it's in. like it is literally like doing a bump of cocaine. You you you're like you're tired. You're beat down. Whatever. And this is just from like an actor's point of view, but also on the other side of the camera, the crew is just. If not more exhausted than any actor on set, right. you know what well, I mean. Yeah. Um, but so you go, you like, you finish a scene or whatever, and you're like, God, I just want to go home. I just want to be out of this fucking makeup. I hate the grease in my hair. I hate all this shit. But then you see the shot, and you're like, Oh, you're making me look like an actor. Oh, that's good. I like that. And then you're again, you're like, Whoa, let's do. Oh yeah, you know what? We can do another take of that. I can do that yeah. again. I can do that again. You like literally get coked up out of nowhere. You're like, Hey, all right. Yeah. It's, just, it's ridiculous. But that, but again, there's ups and downs to every job, every lifestyle, everything you're ever going to do. There's going to be pros and cons. But like it, when, when, the, when the pros get you so high, you're just like, oh, man, I love like stand-up. I love it. When, they're, when I connect with an audience, that, it's the best. Like, I was like I did, I featured for Dan Cummins down at the Comedy Store in L.A. and then down in La Jolla. But I was with Doug Mellard, who's been on the show. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he hosted the show at, at the Comedy Store in L.A. And then I featured, and then Dan headlined. And 
Doug was out there. Like it was the main room. It was crowded. Like the crowd, they were there for Dan, but Dan brings a sweet ass audience, and those people were having a great time from the get go. And Doug said it. He's like, "Dude, I didn't want to get off stage. Like it's been a little while since I've been on stage, and I did not want to get off stage." And I'm like, "Dude, I, I've that's every night when I'm working with Dan. I'm like, 25 minutes is up. Fuck. Like, dude, I could do another half hour yep. easy with this crowd. You know what I mean? And it's just fun. And then there are times when I headline clubs where i'm like oh it's only been five minutes well i got another 50 so this is going to be miserable as shit well but i also think and again to tie that also into the pitching thing that you were talking about i think one of the things also that at least that that i've noticed when i do it now is because i've been through all the shit Mm -hmm. because i have been on set and and it produced so much and been through all those struggles that I appreciate the moments as well. And I think that that comes out. It may not necessarily be anything that you say specifically, but it's part of your building blocks. It's kind of what you're talking about. Think about all the, like, I, I remember, you know, when I first started as a stand-up, there were days you're like, oh, not another open mic. I can't stand these open mics. I can't, I don't, I can't be number 47 on this list tonight and watch the other 46. But I got to it. It's like all that stuff. And then, and you realize that something about all those nights, something about all those moments there's something inside of you. It's a it's a piece that builds inside of you that ultimately when you have the good moments, when you when everything clicks and when you have confidence and when you start doing things with I don't want to say with reckless abandonment, but like not worrying about every second because you think it's gonna it's gonna destroy everything you've ever worked for, when you can remove that element and just roll and it's because of all your previous experiences makes a huge difference as well. Yeah. I mean, and I, I can't, I say this all the time, but I can't stress enough how if you really want to get involved in production, in making TV and making film, I, you, I would always suggest starting as a production assistant. I think starting at the bottom is key. I think you won't stay there long. If you got a brain, if you have common sense, you're not going to be a PA for more than a year. Yeah, if you're hiding. Yeah. Well, and, and not doing I mean, at what you're asked. Sure. Yes. Yeah, you'll be there for a long time for whatever reason, or you're going to just get fired. But like, just to, to know the ins and outs. Like when you say when you go into a meeting and they and you you can tell like they know you've produced things like Sordahan for no money with your friends and made it look fucking awesome. Yeah. Like the you know that this all that stuff comes into play as you get older. Like do, it's it's all really important. I don't know. It it's basically as an artist of any kind, create. Create, create. I think that like whether you're a painter, your first couple paintings are gonna suck. That's fine. Just keep doing it. You know what I mean? If you get joy out of it, other people will get joy out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, and and you also have to be excited about whatever it is that you're doing, whether Mm -hmm. it's yourself, yeah, or something that you're pitching. Um, whatever it is, if you're not excited about it, if people, you're scared, people can tell. Or if you're unsure about yourself, or you lack confidence, I'm not, and I don't get me wrong, it's confidence is a really hard thing, and I get it. Mm-hmm. You go into these strange. Most rooms, oftentimes, it's faked. Yeah, it's all bullshit. It's bravado, man. Mm-hmm. It's just, and you also, but at some point though, you got to let go of certain stuff. It's like going on stage. You just tell people. The day that I realized um, that I could do stand-up was the day that I realized that it was totally okay to feel everything that I felt, but the minute I put my foot up on the stage, it's like you had to let that go. It's like taking a, a cloak off. You drop the cloak mm-hmm. at the end of the stage, and you walk on, and all that stuff stays over there. You want to bring that shit back into your life? Grab it on the way off the stage. Mm-hmm. But once you get in there, 
You you made that decision. You made a conscious choice to do that thing. Do that thing and and let it go. You just got to let it go, no matter what the results are. And you will still fail a the majority of the time. I, a I'm lot. Gonna, I'm going to guarantee you, all these pitches that I'm doing, I'm not I I ten percent success rate at best. I guarantee you that ninety percent of them, no matter how well they go, are still going to go nowhere. But nowhere. you but may build a relationship, how, and maybe. Within that relationship, one of those things gets made or something else you have gets well, made. Well, that's, that's the second level of knowledge that you have to have going into a room, is you cannot treat that moment as the one and only moment. Yeah. Because if you do that, you're basically, one, you're selling yourself short, and two, you're saying to them, I don't have anything else. Yeah. And they're you gonna, better buy this because I got nothing. Well, but it also changes the way you treat it. Like, you can get snippy. Like, if they're not taking it, your attitude is like, well, f- uh, fuck you, then I'm probably not going to work with you anyway. And they pick up on that stuff, too. Like, oh, okay. I can't handle criticism. Yeah, and th- I don't want to work with this person. And you're right. Like, a lot of times, it's, it's like auditioning, something that I tell you guys that I, I got out because I couldn't do it. Like, that, it's, you're chipping away. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're getting no, 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 it's no. Practice. But you keep coming in, and they like you, but they're like, no, not today. No, not today. No, not today. Hey, John's here. Oh, my God, this is the one. Yeah. Boom, there it is. Yeah. It's the same thing with pitches. I like you, dude. I can't do this show because it's not right for us, but I hope to see you again in the future. Yeah, because keep I, us look, in mind for your other stuff. You've already told me that you, you know, you're going to keep creating, and that's awesome, and we love that. And I know it's hard for us to separate because you're thinking to yourself it could be another two years. Why well, I don't, I don't want to wait another two years. Like I get it, I get it. We all don't want to wait. Right. Life is short. The years go by. You know, but you have to just you have to keep moving forward no matter what and hopefully you'll run to the one person that goes today's the day let's do this and you go fuck yeah 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 and then maybe your project is canceled immediately but that's not the point no (laughs) the The point point is is you get to brag you got non-stop yeah that you're in production with something yeah and then look that just that that let once you can like i mean I think about the times I was like, man, maybe I should just stop doing stand-up. And then you get a call like, hey, do you want to do live at Gotham? And you're like, oh, yeah. And that kept me doing stand-up until the next thing and then the next thing, you know. And it's the same with, with acting. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm just I'm just not good at it. Like, maybe I just shouldn't do it. And then you do something you're like, oh, never mind. I like doing this. Fuck it. If I'm not good at it, who cares? <laughs> it's But, again, like you said, you have to just want to do it. Yeah. Not want to do it because... As I was telling a friend of mine the other day, he used to, uh, Craig, remember Craig, well, Craig Coleman, you know Craig Coleman, he's been on this show a long time ago. Love Craig. But Craig was talking about something, and, and I go, yeah, I go, with the way you're talking right now, Craig, um, I go, you kind of sound like, Craig used to tell this joke about this guy who would pull up in front of this, like, field of birds and angrily get out of his car, open up the trunk, grab a shovel, and start shoveling bird f- f- feed out for the birds, but he didn't seem like he enjoyed one ounce of it, <laughs> and he was just pissed, and it, I was like, because Craig the whole time was like, why is he doing, why are you doing this if you get no joy out of this? Because he goes, everything about what you just did was so angry, Yeah, but it was such a kind thing you were doing, but angry. You were just fucking pissed like you were locked in, and you ha- you're like, well, I have to do this These now. These fucking birds, if I don't do it, nobody will. Yeah, exactly. God damn it. And the way he was talking, I'm like, oh my God. I go, do you catch the irony? Like, I go, the way you're explaining some things in your life, I go, you sound like the guy in your joke that's just, just like... Grudgingly doing something I, I ha- nice I have for somebody to do else. I have to fucking do this, and I'm going to keep doing it, and I'm going to keep being fucking angry about doing this nice thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I used to have a, 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 a more... 
negative attitude about everything, about the auditioning process, just about Hollywood in general, you know, just about where I was in stand-up. And, and I've kind of washed that away and just really, like, the whole thing. Like, I know, I, I know some people who, like, you know, they'll belittle award shows or they belittle uh, just the idea of movies and TV as, as kind of a, an art form. And, and, and same with stand-up comedy. And I feel the opposite. I think that there's something to be said for the idea that you can watch something or listen to something. Like, when you listen to your favorite record, you know, it, like, it takes you out of this world of just incessant thinking about the future, about the past, about the future, about the past, about the you know, because none of that means anything. So when you can find something that entertains you or that lifts you up above all that stuff, whether it's a song, whether it's an album, whether it's a movie, a TV show, a stand-up comic, whatever, you're helping people. When you do that stuff, you're helping people. Yeah. So there's like, we're all born with a couple of special things that we can do, but not necessarily everybody else can do. And I think if you're able to do stand-up, and act and be involved in the entertainment industry from either side of the camera, from any position, and you're really enjoying it, just know that you're part of the solution. You're part of the help, you know? And I think that's uh, a good thing. Yeah. I, I, I Again, there's no... I, I, it's so funny. There are, there are in, in life, there are no... Uh, perfect solutions. There is no. You have to do it if you if you do this. Right. Everything exactly will work this out. way. Yeah. It's a, it's a one hundred percent guarantee. When I'm talking about human interaction, I'm not talking about if you put a, right a, if, a, a round hole yeah. stick inside of a round hole. Like yes, that's one hundred percent. But I'm talking about human interaction. There is no perfect because you don't you won't know until you know that you've sat across that two people have sat across from each other and goes today they won't know. That today's the day or not until it happens. And mm-hmm. that's the thing is you you kind of got to roll with it and, and just just keep doing your thing, whatever it is that you do. And and just not honestly, John, I don't I think, you know, for me, and this is going to sound horrible, but I just got to a point where I'm like, I, I, I learned maybe part of this did come from stand up when you have a great set and you get off stage and there's no one there to celebrate it with mm-hmm. except yourself because mm-hmm. it's such a euphoric high. That can happen sometimes when you are so excited about an idea and you're out there and you're sharing it and people are listening. It's 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 it can be depressing afterwards when people still aren't calling you and talking about it. Mm-hmm. Within less than an hour, everyone yeah. has moved on with their lives. And when you when you find a way to just process that and go, that was awesome, that was cool. Hopefully, I see you again soon. I'm gonna go do some other shit now. Talk to you later. Yeah. Once I was able to get to that and not carry and wait and try to recapture that euphoria day in, day out, hour in, hour out, that's where you get really depressed. Once I cut that part of it off, I don't want to say it's I don't give a shit, but it's just like I, I just I moved on. I did it. I did what I needed to do there. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to I'll keep having conversations, but I'm now I'm moving on to over the and I'm not just talking about moving on to other projects. I'm talking about moving on to. Go do something with the family. Life. Go do laundry. I don't care. Yeah. I just don't. The 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 thing is that those are those are sensations, just like breathing. So we, you get excited, and then it dissipates. You know what I mean? And you have to be kind of on a level of okay, 
what's next? All right, you know, and they're in and holding, trying to hold on to a meeting or a or a individual or just this thought that we're all going to work together or whatever it is. You'll suffocate. You'll suffocate. Just like if you try to hold your breath, you'll suffocate. You, it has to. It's it's a flow. It has to come in and out, and you have to just let it go and kind of just go do your thing. There's really no other way. Like, and 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 I'll, I'll say this: like the hardest part of this business for me is the waiting. Nothing can happen quick enough for me. So I have to really put some effort into being like, okay, that'll happen when it happens. These people will do what they do when they do it, and this will get, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of, like, Josh Wolf said something very uh, interesting to me a long time ago when I was, like, mad that I couldn't get more stand-up work or whatever, and I was like, how come I can't get a manager, an agent, blah, 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 blah. And he just said, dude, when you're ready, they'll find you. And I was like, huh. And sure enough, like, years later when it was like, oh, because when I think about what I was doing on stage back then, I'm like, oh, my God, I, I wouldn't want anyone to see that now. <laughs> you know, I'm glad I wasn't on TV with that shit. Right, but you don't know. It's youth, youthful ignorance. It's whatever. Right. It's yes, just the, yes. the I want, I want, I want. You yeah, know? and then you realize that it's really more about the experiences and the people you meet and that kind of stuff and not about getting things or grabbing the biggest paycheck or any of that crap. And look, I get we all go, we're human, and this just you take pitching out of this just in life in general. We're all human in the fact that when they say it takes time and you just got to wait it out, mm-hmm. and we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a couple of years goes by, and you go, and sometimes you have those breakdown moments. You're like, fuck this. How long I do I have to wait? Yeah. Waiting for five fucking years. I don't want to wait anymore. I want to be the story about when I, that when I showed up. Everything fucking changed. I want to be that story that people start telling. I don't want to keep hearing that story. I want to be that the story. story. Yeah. And I get that. And then you kind of get it out of your system. And then you kind of go back. But I will tell you, it's funny. I was cleaning out my email this past week. And I found an old article from Variety from like 2013 or something like that. That I must have emailed myself. Um, and it was uh, top eight writers to watch. Writers, Right. And two things that I found interesting about that specific article from back then. One was every single one of the writers to watch, was average actor. age, oh. 42 to 45 years old. Really? Do you seriously think they started writing when they were 42 or 45 years Absolutely old? Absolutely not. And Variety's just saying, now watch you can these watch. people. New faces. Yeah. Yeah. Secondly, didn't recognize a specific name on there. Right. Meaning that, okay... That part happened, right? Not saying that they're not working the business. My point is, I think we get stuck in our head. Well, then why am I not seeing their name all over the movie theaters? Why am I, you know what I mean? Like written by this movie. They mm-hmm. created created this show, wrote that. It's because that's another smaller segment within the segment, right? Like a subculture, you know? And so it's just, I saw that. And, and again, it re- re-centered me to go, see? See, dude, they probably felt back then. Oh, man. Wait, wait, wait. They get this. Now they're thinking to themselves, okay, well, right, what, the doors are going to open wide what's open. What's next? Nothing? Nothing? Okay, I have to make something happen. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to just kind of have, uh, I'm going to live my life kind of perspective. Yeah. And, and, and try to fill in the gaps with some of the hopes and dreams that you have and never let go of those things. I don't know when, it, I don't know when it's going to happen, you know? I don't. I mean, it's. It, I. I had those moments too, where I was like, "What am I doing?" And it, and I uh, again, you, many of my other friends are like, "Oh, dude, you just made a movie. You made two movies. 
You're making a third thing right now. Yeah. Okay. What do you mean? What are you talking about? But but that's what we get into our own heads. And well, you well you might not. You're just like well, but I'm not. This isn't this like is, my name's not up on um uh, on every cinema across the country. I'm not making huge paychecks. But at the same time, there are people that are just sitting around going, "I'm a director." And they're not directing anything. Yeah, you can say those. The, I'm a director. I'm a producer. You can say that and go. Yeah, I fucking did that. Yeah, I have it. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think what happens usually when you get into those world idle time, idle time gets in the way. It's very dangerous. Yeah, it's it's. It, but it also like it's crazy because it used to be more dangerous for me. Like I used to spend like I would I, I went through phases, but like it would be just a lot of like laying around watching TV, not doing anything. Like well, I'm in because when I had production work, I was so wiped out. After a, a cycle of punk that I would just sit and do nothing. Get yeah. fat, get drunk, eat hamburgers. You know what I mean? What's and wrong then with that? You nothing. Do that, you want to do that after we're done here? Uh, yes. Okay. And then go back to work. But when when that kind of, when it, when it became like, I, I'm more of an independent contractor. I have to hustle for my own stand-up shows. Headlining with Dan, wherever. I have to hustle for those. And I have to book myself. And I have to... You know, I go auditions, and I'm always trying to write something, either with you, by myself, with other people, trying to put something else together, trying to sell something. But, like, now I, I there is no, like, I feel like idle time is, even when I'm watching the Cubs game, I'm, like, looking over jokes for something or trying to write something new or, you know, there's not a lot of just sitting around anymore. Yep. But but I like it like that. I, I prefer... I prefer to be active that way. I think it's good for my brain. It's just good for everything I'm trying to do, you know. Yeah, no, I th- I think that um, it's all about just finding finding what it is about you that you want and what it is that about you, that you can do that make keeps you happy. Yeah, and just whether it's you know marijuana stores or you know to bring it all back to that or. <laughs> Telling people to get their fucking feet off the back of your yeah. seat. Whether that it's makes dad, you happy. whether you're dadding out at a baseball game or dadding out in a weed shop. That's right. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Just be woke out there. Is what we're really saying. I got nothing uh, else. This was. I felt like a complete fucking blowhard for an hour and a half here. No, just because it's just us. But uh, I, I think we made some valid. Uh, points and I, I feel, I feel well. Thank you this. for confirming, and I will <laughs> confirm your confirmation that we did say some pretty amazing shit today. Episode one fifty eight. We just give each other hand jobs the whole time. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and bail on that one, but <laughs> um, I will say that I do love uh, now in the in our studio. I do love looking at my fantasy football trophy. It is Fucking gorgeous, nerdy as shit. It, it I, you know what they told me. So we just had the draft recently. So we've there's we have had three years. I won twice. Cordry Rob Cordry run won once. So my name is on there two of the three years. And so I, as because I wanted to be a little bit of a dick, we went to the draft. I bring their trophy with me sure, and have sure. it sit with me. Just want to make my picks. And the guy next Tap to me it. was like, "Hey man, um, so if you win again this year, like you don't get to be in the league anymore, right?" And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, because you know then it's no fun for everybody else." I'm like, "Once again, like." I'm being kicked out because I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. No, that's not that's not doesn't make you sense. No, he wants to vote me out of the fucking league if I win again. What? That's but, like that's what it what well, the Yankees <laughs> could be out of baseball because they've got 27 World Series rings. Get the fuck and he out was, of here. And at first I laughed. And he was like, um, I'm I'm pretty much serious. Like Well, you know. you're a dick, and I hope that guy fucking gets voted out himself. What a fucking <laughs> asshole. It's just, it's, hey man. Um, this is no fun anymore because like because you suck at fantasy football. How is that my fucking problem? <laughs> Jesus, 
Give me a break. That's that. that where, where, <laughs> how old is this guy? That's like a fucking 12 year old mentality it's, now. Maybe it's all he has. Look, I want to get a trophy too, man. And we all deserve trophies. We're all playing fantasy football. <laughs> You're paying a bunch of fucking nerds. Just suck it up and nerd out together. Jesus. <sighs> Fucking take it that serious. I will say, which and some of them do there, which I thought was really funny because I don't. I honestly, dude, I like playing, but like I'm not obsessive. That's why you keep winning. You're not a psycho. But what was funny was during the draft, like I would pick somebody, and everyone else be like, "Oh, interesting." I'm like, like, at some point, I'm like, everybody. He doesn't have a system. I'm like, he's just fucking going the same info you have. I go, I I can hear the mumbling, and I just want you guys to know, I there's no, I have no fucking secret sauce here. Like, yeah, you guys pulling players out of my sleeve. I never really thought about that. What is he? Oh, a kicker? Huh? (laughs) Oh, his last pick is a kicker. Interesting. (laughs) We know kickers in our league. They're very anti-kicker. Okay, great. You got a real bunch of fun dudes <laughs> playing football with there. Fantasy Only. football. Uh, I do like to. It's more for just socializing and, you know, yeah, jabbing course. at each other and yes. stuff like that. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. thought it was funny that the one guy was like, well, I'm not really having fun anymore because that guy wins. That's hilarious, dude. He's going to take his <laughs> ball and go home. Get the fuck out. Um, I, I had a co- I just wanted to give a couple of shouts out to uh, a Twitter handle, George Carlin's Ghost. Oh, yeah. He has um, been uh, intricate in getting me more followers. Oh. And, uh He's uh, he's a, he's a real nice guy to talk to. Um, so if you're out there, uh, thank you for everything. And then uh, I got e- emailed people. I have an email on my website that people can reach me at. Oh, okay. Um, just a link on there. It goes to my actual email. <laughs> I got some emails from a couple people who, younger guys starting out in comedy. And um, basically, I think, looking for insight. And then one guy was like, I've got a lot of stuff written I'm pretty confident in. Uh, if you want to take a look at it. And basically what I said was, I will if you want me to, but it doesn't matter what I think. Because what you need to do is go on stage with it. There it is. The only way you're ever going to find your voice or figure out what sounds right coming out of your mouth is by saying it on stage. And that's like the advice I gave both of them is like, you just got to keep going on stage. And when you're starting out doing anything, whether it's acting, whether it's comedy, whether it's playing the guitar, whether it's whatever... You got to do it all the time, as much as you can, as much as you can. And I'm talking acting in some shit. You might read a script and go, that is terrible. Well, then you're going to make your character the best fucking character in that terrible thing. You know what I mean? Just always be trying to do something. It's a goddamn master class. How much you charge that motherfucker for that? It's free, feedback? baby. It's free. All right. Well, no TED Talks are free. Master class. They're making pay for that. By the way, congratulations to Willis Turner, who got married. Oh, yeah. I saw that. I thought he was already married. That's Mr. how in the dark Willis I am. Turner. Tyreek. Me. <laughs> no one knows what that means, well, except us. That's our yeah. secret, our, our little... Uh, that was a pitch meeting gone wrong. We'll no, go, that was a pitch was a meeting. Speaking right. of pitch meeting, that was a pitch meeting that was amazing. Yeah. They just didn't get it. Yeah. They didn't. And that, again, that it's like an audience. Yeah. They just didn't get us. Well, they seemed to get us in the room. Some people did. Some people didn't. I kept saying, and we know this is the same joke over and over, and we know this is more of a web series. And the, one of the people in the room kept saying, oh, you don't know that. This could be a complete TV show. And I was like, okay, someone's into it. Well, the answer always is yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Right, right, right. Which is, oh, my God. I was like, I just read something... <laughs> That script you sent me. I was like, hey, I just read. And then I'm picturing the guy in the plane. I'm like, ooh, oh, wait, maybe the answer shouldn't be yes all the time. always yes. But yeah, Um, yeah. So that, so congratulations to Willis Turner. Yes. Uh, I want to acknowledge uh, a previous guest that I happened to hear on Mad Dog Sports Radio when I was on my way home. Sean Green is a sidekick to- on um, Mad Dog? 
He is uh, doing sports talk with uh, Craig Shoemaker. Yeah, I like, knew that. And so it's on Mad Dog Sports Radio. I was coming home f- on Sunday night, and they came on. That's awesome. Talking sports. Yeah, Sean. Uh, Sean is a uh, a great dude, and uh, I feel we haven't done the Sean Sports Show lately because of all this work he's been getting. But I'm I'm really happy for the dude. So, so yeah, congrats con- to Sean con- on that. Congratulations, Sean Green. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else uh, previous guests that I need to acknowledge, but I can't remember. Those were two that's that uh, that stuck out. I would say thank a nice thank you to Matt Fultron for uh, talking me off a ledge when I was up in Canada a while back. Oh, you ran into the full charge. No, I was texting oh. him because him and Segura were doing a fucking theater in Calgary while I was doing a club no. there. <laughs> It was just funny. I was like, enjoy your fucking theater, guy. And he was like, yeah. But uh, very supportive and uh, very funny. And I appreciated it. Full charge. Mm-hmm. Check in with him soon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's all I got. I'm sure yeah. there's other guests that have been doing stuff I just can't remember. We'll look forward. We'll, t- we'll see if we can get Jackie Fabulous on the show. Oh, yeah. I don't think, have we ever had Taylor Williamson on the show, speaking of previous uh, America's no, Got we Talent? No, we have not. We Reach have not out to Taylor. Taylor. We're yeah. still working on getting Mindy Sterling in here. Yeah. Uh, we got some guests coming on. soon. So, and John, you got a, quite a few people that yeah. are going to be joining us as well. Some directors and some comedians and some actors. It's all about availability. Yeah, schedules, guys. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, keep it tough. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe 